Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station. Powered by Kitsap Credit Union. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. Here we go now. Happy Thursday, guys. We are one day away. One day away, Bump. This has felt like the longest week. Is anyone else feeling like this is the longest week ever? I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because it's the Pro Bowl this weekend and I keep thinking like, oh, you're two weeks away from the Super Bowl, so it feels so long. Just just one of those weeks for me, Bump. What about you? Slow motion in this thing. But you know what? We're here on a Thursday. We get to talk sports. Grateful. We're grateful. I'm just grateful to be with you, Bob. Hey, I'm grateful to have you to my left yeah, here, Stacey. Thanks. Curtis, grateful to have you behind up, the glass, mixing the ones and twos. Curtis, you know, keeping us on point. I've, it's fine. Is this Thanksgiving? Is this Thanksgiving? <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Um, no, and I'm also grateful uh, for our guests, you guys. We have, uh, we have two-thirds uh, of uh, one of the best radio shows on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn Johnson joining us at 11.45 at 1 p.m. ESPN's Max Kellerman going to join us. Lots of hot takes coming your way. I cannot wait for it. Very, very excited. Before we get to some football talk, though, yesterday we spent all day at T-Mobile Park. It was beautiful. It was freezing, but that's okay. There was a space heater. I was so happy to be out there talking Mariners. It feels like spring is around the corner when you start really talking baseball. Like Something about it just feels like I'm like, getting like my body is warmer after talking about (laughs) baseball for four hours. Um, And now that we've had some time to reflect and also some time to listen back to all the interviews we made, we've got some stuff that we learned from Mariners Media Day. Figured we would run through some of our biggest takeaways with you guys, whether you missed the interviews, whether you listened and you were thinking about them yourself, whether you're just excited for spring training and you want to know where this ball club is. We're going to talk about what stood out to us. I'm going to start with our interview with Mariners GM Justin Hollander. So this is why this take stands out to me. Justin Hollander was being asked about um, Cal Raleigh. We started out talking about Cal Raleigh, right? Like, I think this was from one of your questions, Bump, when you were like, did you see like this kind of season for him? And he was like, I never would have seen it. But it's really, really important to leave a runway and leave space for young players to develop. Because imagine basically if we went out and got like uh, an all-star catcher, And Mm -hmm. maybe that guy's good. Maybe he's not. But either way, we don't see nearly as much development from Cal. Here's Justin Hollander talking about why it's important to provide young players what he calls a runway. If you never provide a runway for your internal options to get better, to improve, you'll never be sustainable. You'll never be as good as you think you are. And here's his example of that with Cal. This time last year, if I had told you that Cal Raleigh would turn into one of the best catchers in baseball, I think the general sentiment of you know, the average observer would have said, oh, you need to sign more certainty. You need to create to bring in someone that will provide, you know, a a better, you know, more perfect, like this is, you know, a more certain outcome as the season goes on. We chose not to do that because we wanted to give Cal runaway. You know, it started off a little rocky. And then from the time he came back from the minor leagues, he turned into one of the best players in baseball. And that changes our fortune. That changes our franchise forever. We have to find the right balance between adding and also allowing for development. Adding and allowing for development. It's a balancing act. What do you make of that bump? I actually like it. The way he described it, he mentioned runway 
And if you don't know, I take about maybe 50 to 60 flights a year. So I know all about a runway. Right? Yeah. And with a runway, I imagine, Cal, you start off slow, you're picking up speed, and then boom, you take off. That used to be my favorite part of a flight, but now I'm afraid of flying. So I take muscle relaxers and I don't remember. Boom, then you're knocked out. Yeah. Sitting in first class, have a drink, you're done. <laughs> Drool coming out of my mouth. <laughs> so I'm, I'm imagining him talk about Cal, and that's exactly what happened, right? He also talked about... Um, how he struggled at some point, but he was sitting back to AAA, then he's back, and then he's finding his groove. He's learning how to handle situations, and that's him taking off on the runway. So they allowed room for Cal to grow. In some instances, in some positions, you just got to go get a guy. That's what they did with Luis Castillo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> runway, I know we got some, we got Brash, we got Kirby. Those guys are going to be good. They got some runway, but right now we need someone who's taken off, has already taken off yes. and to fly this thing. That's, so that's, that's what I, that's what I imagine. That's what I heard when I, when I heard that. Well, and that's why I find this balancing act so, so interesting to me because you could easily be like, oh, well, we don't need to go out and spend on these high price free agents because we got these young guys that are coming up. Here's the deal though. Not all of those young guys work out. Nah. If Cal doesn't work out and Tom Murphy gets hurt and you only have Luis Terrence, you have no answer at catcher this year. And think of where you are considering like where your home runs came from this year. If Cal, Julio, and Suarez accounted for, what, what I would say, almost two-thirds. Certainly, mm-hmm. like, over half. Um, like, where are you as a club? You know what I mean? So... In this case, it worked out. And in this case, Cal needed the, those reps, needed that development, needed those plate appearances. Um, it's uh, I'm not a GM for lots of reasons, but one of them is because I would have no way how to gauge like when I should go out and add someone and when I should leave room for young guys. And, and no one really knows the exact formula because you're going to miss sometimes, too. Yeah, with sometimes Cal, you're going to leave too much room and then you're going to have no answer. With Cal, you happen to hit and it was under circumstances, too. If Murphy doesn't get banged up, who knows where Cal really is, right? He was yeah. brought up because of the Murphy situation, and they did allow him some room to grow. That's the tough part about being a GM. You have to project a lot. You yeah. got to say, I believe in this kid. We're going we're gonna to give him room to grow. Don't know if we're going to talk about this. I'm looking at the sheet right now. But that's the dilemma they're in with Jared Kelnick. Like, how much runway does Jared Kelnick get? It's yep. been a long runway, man. So um, it's, it's a gamble. It's a guessing game, but the thing that I learned about the Mariners, too, and every other baseball organization is they have so many hands in this thing, so many people with their opinions and where they think they should move that he's not making this decision on his own, but when it comes down to it, he has to pull the trigger. All right, I got one more cut to get to with the Mariners GM, Justin Hollander. This is about team building in general. What you can't do is get locked into one way. There's one player or one path to make the team better. If you do that and you miss your offseason's a disaster. So going into an offseason with multiple different plans, multiple different ways you think you can attack your roster to get better, I think that's the most important thing and not being hung up on one player or one idea. This might have been one of my favorite moments of the day bump, that idea of you have to be flexible. Like we all have our ideas of like, I would make this trade and I would do this move in free agency and that would be my World Series team. Well, guess what? six other teams are going to want that same guy you want to trade for. Right. And nine other teams are going to want to sign that guy you want to sign. You know what I mean? Like it, it, other teams trying to get better mess up your plans. You know what it is? When he said that, it reminded me of just fantasy football. Most of us do fantasy football. Yes. You come in with a plan. I sure do. Boom, I got the number seven pick. I'm going to go here, there, and there, and here. 
But then the plan gets jacked up. Yes. Somebody drafts a quarterback way too early. Yep. Somebody gets a tight end way too early. Someone gets a defense way too early, and then things start to move. That's what he's saying right now is that you go in with a plan, but you always got to be able to adjust. And that's the game. So I wish that they could sit down and tell us this was our plan going in and this is what we had to do. They would never do that. Um, but I would like to think that their plan was to make a go at one of these guys with these top names. But then they also said, man, 10 years, 11 year contracts. Like that's crazy right now for some of these guys and where they're at in their career. So it's all about adjustments. And I think people know that about sports in general. You have to adjust. That's what they did. But they also have a philosophy that I feel like, okay, we adjust within this box. This is our box. This is what we believe in. We make these adjustments, but we're not going to jump outside this box because that's not the plan. That's right. We not, don't become a different team. We we can adapt and change to become the team we want. Yeah. You, you adapt within who you want yeah. to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? If that makes sense to you guys. Yes. Uh, okay. Let's jump to uh, some player quotes here. Today, Oscar Hernandez, we spoke to. He also spoke with reporters. I really liked these two cuts right here. Let's start with this one. Um, he was talking about his Toronto teammates looking forward to facing the M's in the playoffs. What? Why? I mean, uh, I had a, most of the people says uh, that they want to play Seattle. I, I was one of the, the ones to say no uh, because of the really good team that they have. I know uh, they had a pretty good uh, pitching staff, starting and relievers. Uh, and I don't want to face that uh, in a playoff. So uh, I wasn't happy, but at the same time, it was it was a new a new goal for us when I was in, in Toronto to face uh, the Seattle Mariners and, and to face the, the, the really pretty good team that they have. Teoscar was the one in the scary movie that's nervous about walking into the haunted house or about going on this camping trip to this abandoned cabin or whatever, you know, like he stands in for the mm-hmm. audience and he's like, guys, I don't know about this. And this, this seems like a little weird. This seems a little suspect. And then his Toronto teammates that were looking forward to facing Seattle are the people in the movie that are like, no, I love this abandoned house. Let's camp out here overnight. Let's do this. Ignore that chainsaw in the corner. Yeah. Let's, let's hang out. He, he understood how dangerous this team is yes. or was because one they're pitching and just how hungry they are and you when you get into the playoffs you want to be playing some good baseball you don't necessarily have to be the best team you don't necessarily have to have the best lineup but you want to be playing some good baseball and going into the playoffs I mean look how they got in cow going yard the the drama and all that stuff you break the drought this team is hungry the unknown is there. You got a young talent in Julio and Ty and all these guys. I think Teoscar and him being a veteran understood, like, these are the type of teams that scare you. You don't know what you're going to get out of these teams. And they've done something that hasn't been done before. So he knew. I mean, and we we talked to Tay yesterday. And mm-hmm. he is, is it Tay? Can I call him I Tay? Tay-o. Tay-o? Tay-o. Okay. Tay yesterday. <laughs> and um, he is a very mature 32-year-old. Yeah. He understands he is composed. He's articulate. Chill. He's chill. Like He looks at the game differently. I think it's going to be a great addition, but I think that is shown in that answer right there. He's looking at the scope and saying, man, you see that over there? You yeah. see that pitching? You see that young talent? I don't know if we want to see these guys right now. Well, and you can't see... Uh, what you can hear is him talking. What you can't see is his body language when he's speaking. Mm-hmm. And we're telling you guys from experience, from speaking with him yesterday, one-on-one in our interview with him, that he smiles. He looks relaxed, Mm -hmm. right? He looks kind of excited, but not over the top. Like there is a calm confidence and kind of like a happy kind of vibe that comes from him where I'm, I'm eager to see and excited to see how he's going to fit into this clubhouse because I think it's a good culture fit. 
Uh, all right, let's jump to some of what Jerry DePoto had to say to wrap this up here. Um, I know that everyone, including myself, is wondering, so you guys got a budget, right? Like, did you get a number? Can you go over the number? What's the number? Jerry DePoto asked uh, about getting that number during the media luncheon. You know, we get a number, you know, typically before the holiday season starts. Sometime in, in you know, October, early November, we're going to get a budget number like every other team does. What we have generally learned through the years, it, there is flexibility for, you know, if we have, you know, the ability to maximize an opportunity or to go out and, and, and make a difference-making move that puts us over that budget number, we've never been told no on that. So, um... This isn't a hot take, right? That's not what sports radio is for, Bump. What? Uh, my take is that while I am um, very optimistic about what this Mariners lineup and squad as a whole can be and very excited about spring training, I will not back down from the take and still believe in the take that I wish they would have done more in free agency and spent more in free agency or or made a trade, right? I still I still believe that. Like I don't I, I haven't changed my mind just because I'm still really excited about the team they can be. No, I'm with you. I think that most contenders, that's why we want one of them to make a move because that's what contenders do. At least that's what we're used to. Contenders, they go out and they get better by spending money. They get names. They get guys that you can almost guarantee are going to produce and come through clutch at some point during the season. But we're starting to understand that's just not what they're going to do. They're going to get guys that fill voids. Sometimes some of these organizations that go and get these guys, they're not really filling a void. They're just saying, we just want the best guy out there. We might already have an outfitter that's pretty good. You know what? If we can get this guy, he's, he's better. We're going to go get this guy. That's not how the Mariners operate. They're looking at voids and gaps and saying, if we fill these gaps, all right, if we fill these voids, we should be a better baseball team. And on paper, I'm not going to lie, they're a better baseball team right now. They're better mm-hmm. than they were last year. But again, like we said before, they're banking on development, and that's what they believe in. And I can respect that. Yeah. I'm in the development business. You know, you love seeing guys do something last this year that they didn't do last year or throughout the season improve in certain aspects, and they rely on their analytics to kind of push these guys in that right direction. Just a different type of way of doing things. Me personally, I'm, a, I'm not typically a big spender, but when it comes to athletes and comes to making your teams better, I'm all for it, but... That's just not how they get down. Yeah, it's specifically with the Mariners because having grown up here and having gone through 20-plus years of my life, essentially all of teenagehood and adulthood, not watching this team in the playoffs, Mm -hmm. you get a taste of it and you go, why not? Do more. Let's get back. (laughs) Right? Oh, wow, this is great. It's like trying sugar for the first time when they have babies. (laughs) Like they show them like trying ice cream for the first time and their faces are like, whoa. Yeah, that was me with the playoffs where I was like, what? And and all of a sudden, I'm down for more spending. I am down for more superstars. I would love multiple all-stars. Like, I am here for it. That kind of baseball is fun, it turns out. And uh, I think that they can still play that kind of baseball this year. Uh, They just have a little less wiggle room and and room for error. So that's going to be one of the conversations we have heading into spring training right now, though, having a different conversation. Let's head to Headline Rewrites. Headline Rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and Stacey. Headline number one. It's clear the Mariners were sitting on information yesterday. Yeah, uh, thanks for telling were, us. While they were talking to us right in front of our faces. Because the audacity. They were working on an extension with Dylan Moore. They agreed to a three-year deal. What's the real headline? Colton Wong will indeed platoon at second. And JP gets a little flexibility at shortstop. 
My real headline has less to do with Dylan and more to do with what Dylan does for the Mariners, which is platoon at second and give some relief at short. Uh, I think you can obviously expect to see he and Wong switch out maybe more than we expected. Not only that, but maybe JP gets some more time to rest, right? Keeping Dylan here long term means helping out JP as well. If there's anything the Mariners were honest with us about, it's about second base and Colton Wong platooning with Dylan Moore. We've been hearing that for months now. And also just their belief in JP. And maybe JP needs some rest. Man, we hear that he's super competitive. He's a guy who wants to be out there every single day. It's a long season, 162. So it gives him some flexibility as well. Uh, I like Demo, man. He's a spark plug. He's, he's had some big moments last year. So I like the signing. Get him in there. And I'm excited to see what Colton Wong can do. Headline rewrites. Headline number two, Kyle Shanahan says he doesn't see a scenario where Jimmy Garoppolo returns to the 49ers in 2023. What's the real headline? Which means I see a scenario where Jimmy G is suiting up for the Raiders. You see the Raiders. I see the Texans. I think Jimmy can go and get reunited with D'Amico. They got a a high draft pick with number two right now. They're going to go get a quarterback. Jimmy G. This is Jimmy G's journey for the rest of his career. Hey, can you be the short-term veteran stopgap until we figure out this young guy? Yeah, hold it down real quick while we figure this out over here. Like You're you're still young enough to where you got some years in you. That's Jimmy's role. He's had his opportunity as a starter with the 49ers. You take him to a Super Bowl, you don't get it done. You get replaced by Trey Lance. The only reason why you play is because Trey Lance went down then you go down and Purdy shows that he can do a mo better than you. So now this this is what it is. Rely on your relationships, Jimmy G. Collect your paychecks, but you are the transition quarterback for the rest of your, of your career. And I don't think that's a bad spot for Jimmy. And honestly, I don't think he minds that. I don't. I know he's a competitive guy. He wouldn't be in the NFL if he wasn't. But he's not a guy who you see gritting his teeth on third and ten after making a big play. He's kind of like, all right, I'm just going to run this offense and we'll see what happens. Headline rewrites. Headline number three. Also in the Mariners press conference yesterday, Jerry Depoto said that Luis Castillo will not pitch for the Dominican Republic in the World Baseball Classic. That falls during spring training. What's the real headline? Did you guys hear that? What's that? That sound you're hearing is Mariners fans breathing a sigh of relief that Luis Castillo is not going to risk any injury. Can we just say, by the way, I mentioned the Mariners have less room for wiggle, less wiggle room uh, in general. And one of them is with injury to the starters. Their starters stayed completely healthy. And not only that, having healthy starters is part of the reason that they didn't absolutely collapse uh, in, in May. What was the period of time where they didn't allow more? Uh, than like two runs or something for a pure. It was like 24 straight some, games or something. Some ridiculous. unreal stretch of games where at the end of the year, when people were like, Robbie Ray lost you that game against Alvarez, I was thinking, like, yeah, but Robbie Ray and Castillo and all these guys kept you competitive in the first place earlier this spring. Uh, they have an amazing rotation, amazing group of starters. They got to stay healthy again. Any news about them avoiding risk for injury is great news for me. This should be good news for you, even though everyone would love to be able to to represent their country at the World Baseball Classic. So it's not like, you know, I want everyone to be able to do what they want. I am happy Mm -hmm. when people are 
not risking injury. So to the people of the Dominican, lo siento. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> it hurts. To Mariners fan, that's what I'm talking about. You need this guy. He's such a big part of what this team wants to do. We know the strength of this ball club. It's the pitching staff, the rotation, the bullpen. I mean, there's so much talent over there, and he's the headliner at this point. I'll put him in front of Robbie Ray. He's the headliner at this point. So the less he does, the better for this ball club. I understand how big the World Baseball Classic is. And you look at the Dominicans lineup, it is crazy talented, man. Some of the best baseball players in the world in that lineup. But selfishly, I'm like, all right, man, show up to Peoria, take your time, ease into your routine, and let's get ready to make a playoff room. We're going to be talking a lot about money uh, coming up at 10.30. ESPN, Brady Henderson mocked an offer for Geno Smith. Curious to see whether or not you would take this deal. We might disagree on whether or not we'd sign it. Also, you guys can always join this conversation. The Mac and Jack's text line, 866-979-3776. I go through the segments. I do try to keep my eye on the text line uh, for takes and for arguments for or against certain things. We'd like to keep you guys involved, so feel free to text in during that conversation as well. So, I got that offer uh, for you guys coming up in just a couple minutes. But wrapping up our thoughts here, Bump, I said that, you know, I don't want to back down from this. I loved all of our conversations with Mariners players and with Scott and with Justin yesterday. But I still wish that this team would have spent more. And I got fairly some people texting in saying you can't just judge by how much money a team is spending. But in baseball, I think you kind of can because I'm not correlating spending with just spending to spend. I'm correlating spending with having more talent. Money equals talent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we agree with that one. I think so. I mean, you got to execute. But for the most part, you can see a pretty strong correlation between teams that have a lot of talent and teams that spend for that talent. Yeah. Um, you. Why do players get paid a lot of money? Because they're good. Because they're good baseball players. Or because they bamboozle people. (laughs) (laughs) In baseball, usually it's because they're good. Yeah, because they're good. Baseball, it's hard to fake it in baseball, man. It is hard to fake it. That's one of the hardest sports in all the land. So typically when you're spending $300 million on somebody, it's because they've shown like, look, he can be a main contributor. He's reliable. He's going to go out and play some good ball. So yeah, I look at baseball and I go, all right, if if you're paying them X amount of dollars, you can almost guarantee in a certain type of performance because they've done it for a long time. This isn't football or basketball where you can have a few good years and then kind of disappear. With baseball, those skills don't really fade away that quickly. Well, speaking of having just a few good years, Gino is in store for the biggest payday of his life based on his best year as a starter. And by the way, that best year as a starter is just one year as a starter. It's what makes this conversation so fascinating. I have a new offer. ESPN has mocked an offer for Geno Smith. You tell me whether or not you think the Seahawks should make it next. Live from the Alaska Airlines Studio, this is Seattle Sports Station. You're listening to Bump and Stacy, Powered by Kitsap Credit Union. ESPN has mocked an offer for Geno Smith. Would you do it if you're the Seahawks? Let me tell you what the offer is, Bump, and then you and I will talk, and you guys uh, listening right now can send in your answers, 866-979-3776. I got my eye on the Mac and Jack's text line. Here we go. Um, Okay, so this is from Brady Henderson, friend of the show, also... Uh, knows this team very well, covers the team for ESPN. He said that the Seahawks offer three years, $90 million, $50 million guaranteed. That deal includes a $42 million signing bonus, sidebar that doesn't count against the cap, along with, or at least all in one year, 
Mm-hmm. You can spread that out uh, along with base salaries of $2 million guaranteed in 2023, 13 million in 2024, 6 million of that guaranteed against injury at signing and becomes fully guaranteed 6 days after the 2024 Super Bowl and 26 million guaranteed in 2025. There's a $5 million roster bonus due on the 5th day of the 2025 league year and 2 million in per game roster bonuses that season. So he says that Smith's decision should be easy. This is a strong offer and Smith is already happy here why mess with with a good thing. Um he says uh, that this is the this is the analysis look at it outside of the numbers. A short-term deal makes sense for both sides, allowing Smith to get back to the bargaining table in a few years if he continues to ascend, while also giving the Seahawks the flexibility to move on after two years if his play regresses. And then he says Seattle looks like the best situation for him, given the familiarity, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then you can still re-sign Drew Locke to continue his development behind Smith. Um, and then maybe you pick up a middle or late round quarterback in the draft. So that's the situation. Three years, $90 million, $50 million guaranteed um, with some flexibility to move that cap hit around in 2023. Yeah. Um, Texas in, please. I'm interested to see what you guys have to say because uh, you've had a lot to say. Eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. Holler at us. What I signed Gino for that? I don't think that's a bad deal. I don't think it is. Yeah. Me personally, I go two years because it's really like a one year. You can you kind of fill it out a little bit in that first year. So you pretty much just franchise tag him if you want to go that route. I look at this deal and I go, okay, ninety million. So essentially, now the numbers are all spread out and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Mm-hmm. But essentially, it's thirty mil um, every year. But when you look at all the specifics, it it's different, right? right. It's like, don't always imagine it as like, okay, three years, ninety million means. 30 million in 2023, four and no, five. No, it doesn't work out that way. They, they move money around mm-hmm. to make space to do other things. Typically with more later. Yeah. And that, that's what we're doing right here. 42 man, a signing bonus, uh, salaries of two men guaranteed in 2023. I like this deal because it allows you a chance to look at Gino and see if he can duplicate what he did. And a lot of times it's hard to go back to back pro bowl years. The greats do it. I understand that, but we also understand that Geno's not a great. He's a good quarterback. So there's going to be some stumbling going on in here. Just like we saw a couple stumbles during the regular season, uh, he's not just going to throw for 40 touchdowns next year, 45 the next year. I just don't see that. I think that that's not the way this offense is going to work, and I think that that's just not who Geno Smith is. What he is is a dang good quarterback if we're going off of this year. So I like this because it, it gives you room for flexibility, me personally, I'd go for uh, maybe a two-year deal, maybe franchise them just to kind of see what's mm-hmm. going on. But I ain't mad at it, man. I'm not mad at all. And, of course, if you're Gino, you're taking this deal and you oh, are running with doubt. it. Yes. My take on it, before I get to the Mac and Jack's text line, is that I would make this deal yeah. if I was the Seattle Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Unless I have fallen in love with a young quarterback in the draft. Like, would I, I – my ideal situation is – uh, temporary uh, pretend make-believe Seahawks GM would be a young quarterback that's great on a rookie deal. Okay, I would just like to put it out there. That's my ideal situation. If I do not see a quarterback in this draft that I've fallen in love with and I think I can be competitive sooner than expected because it's a weak conference and because I have enough of a foundation after this past year's draft class to really build on it quickly, mm-hmm. then I want to make sure that I can be competitive with a veteran quarterback. 
no, Geno Smith is not Patrick Mahomes, but I'm not giving him Patrick Mahomes money. Is Geno Smith a little more like Kirk Cousins? Sure, but hear me out. I'm not even giving him Kirk Cousins money. Nah. Kirk Cousins' cap hit in 2023 is going to be $36.2 million. Vikings are going to want to go out and probably renegotiate that, move some stuff around, do whatever they want to, but we aren't talking even about that, like, um, Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins kind of contract. I mean, this is more like a Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, and he is definitively, I think we can say, better than both of those quarterbacks. The only thing you have working against you, one, is Geno Smith good enough to, regardless of salary cap, regardless of salary, is Geno Smith the right guy to take you to a Super Bowl? Take money out of the equation, right? Like, don't make that part. If he's the right guy that you think, okay, with a good enough team around him, I think he could take him to a Super Bowl. If the answer is yes, then like, do, do it. I don't care. I want to be a Super Bowl team. But if the answer is, no, I don't think he is. I don't think he is that guy or can be that guy no matter what you have around him. Then make sure it's a short-term deal to keep you competitive and, and figure out a way to find your guy next year or the year after. That's the million-dollar question. Is he good enough to take you to a Super Bowl? We saw Mr. Irrelevant take the 49ers to a Super Bowl, but he had weapons on offense. He had a heck of a defense backing him up. You look at the other side, two of the best quarterbacks in the league took their teams to a Super Bowl, one without an offensive line in Joe Burrow, offensive line and a run game, so he elevates people. And then you look at Pat Mahomes, who did it on a bum ankle, but he's got a great D-line and Frank Clark and Chris Jones. You have weapons on the outside. On the other side of this thing, you have, I think you have to look at Jalen Hurts and say, can he be a mix of Jalen Hurts and, and, and Brock Purdy? Can he run an offense the way that Brock Purdy ran that 49ers offense, get the ball out, do your thing? Can he take a couple of shots a game like Jalen Hurts does? I'm not expecting him to be the mobile quarterback that Jalen Hurts is, but you got to look at what has gotten, what got the teams there this year and how close can Geno Smith get to them. With this contract that or proposal, mm-hmm. right, hypothetical mm-hmm. that we just saw, there's room for these guys to still go out and get some talent and yeah. they have all these draft picks. So now I look at Geno differently. I go, is he a guy that can get, get you to the quarterback? Yeah, with a good defense. Yes, with some young talent. Yes, if he takes care of the football. We just saw Mr. Irrelevant do it. But it's hard to compare that because of all the talent that they have. They, they have, have to, talent offensively, they, too. They, they have more talent offensively than yes, Seattle does. They have to support him. And I think this proposal, this hypothetical, allows the Seahawks to support him. Yes. And not only that. So all of us, you, me, my mom, everyone listening, fundamentally agrees the defense needs to get better. Where the disagreement comes from is whether or not spending on Geno keeps you from making the defense better. I think that it may make you miss out on a a really good 34-year-old free agent. I don't think that you can exclusively build up your defense through free agency. I'm looking at the draft. In fact, I would probably use all four of those draft picks on defense, maybe a center in there. You know what I mean? Like maybe you switch it around, but I would be completely fine with them using the bulk of their draft picks on defense, and they have a lot of great draft capital. I am looking at them as getting some unrestricted free agents to compete, using a lot of draft capital on defense, and then having development of young guys on defense. Boye Mafe, Tariq Woolen, right? All these other guys. Um, I, I think for that reason, I look at Gino as being someone you can afford. And also, consider this. Devil's advocate argument for people who think, like, just focus on making the defense better. Let's say that you don't bring back Gino, and your defense is really good at competitive. Okay. Well, how do you also still make sure that you're winning games if you don't know what you got at quarterback? 
Like, let's say that you bring in Drew Locke, and Drew Locke just isn't there yet. He's got a heck of an arm, great locker room guy. He just hasn't developed yet, and he's just not there. So now you got a good defense and a bad offense. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater and be like, okay, you can't keep Gino because he's too expensive. Let's just fix the defense. Well, wait a minute. If Gino works for you, what if you can find a way to make it work and still fix the defense? And what if the defense doesn't have to be world beaters if your quarterback's good enough? It doesn't have to be world beaters. You look at this team, and the strength of the team is the offense. The offense, I feel like, constructed right now the way that that it is. You bring back Geno. Uh, you got your tackles. Maybe you go get in here an offensive lineman. Ken Walker is back. Who knows what you do with Rashad Penny? You got receivers. This offense is good enough to carry the team for a bit while the defense figures it out. While you, your hopefully your acquisitions during the free agent come in and start to get acclimated. Hopefully the draft picks that you get during this draft come in and start to figure out their role. I think that you have to look at this team differently. I think you look at the Seahawks logo and you automatically think defense, defense, defense. That's what's going to win championships. Yeah, eventually. But that's not how I feel like this season is going to start off. Well, and how it do has they- to start off with your quarterback running an efficient offense and giving you opportunities to yes, win the game. a thousand percent. And how did they win? A- I think that we look at how we think the Seahawks should build. We royal we and we say you got to go out and find defensive talent. When the Seahawks won a Super Bowl, who were their best defensive players? They're in the secondary. Exactly. And did yeah. they draft them? Yes, they did. Yeah. Richard Sherman. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cam Chancellor. Yep. Earl Thomas. Earl. Yep. Right? Like what? KJ Wright. Yep. Bobby Wagner. Yep. All these guys were playing on rookie deals. All these guys were drafted players. And they also got contributors as undrafted free agents and cheap mm-hmm. free agents. Like, I think that we look at that Super Bowl team and think that they went out and they dropped a ton of money on free agents. No. They didn't. They didn't. I mean, they, they made smart Cliff moves. Over. They brought, brought Cliff, Cliff over. They brought got ben Michael Bennett over. Yeah. Like, they, they made smart moves, but a lot of what made them great was that they had young, cheap talent. And guess what? You can get that in the draft, baby, That's two years I'm in a row. Hit. That's all I'm saying. Give me two good defensive players hit, to hit in this draft in the box, and yeah. I think you're going to be okay. Vast majority of the Mac and Jack's text line saying absolutely not. Uh, would not extend Geno. Um, I think you got to spend on uh, on defense to fix this, and I understand. Like I, I, I think that Gino extending Gino, or rather resigning, I should say, has suddenly become an unpopular opinion. But I don't know, guys. I I don't love taking big risks at quarterback, and uh, I think that you could maybe try to find your guy next year instead of this year. But. What do I know? All right. Uh, Well, we're going to continue our Gino conversation, but we're going to stray away from this particular offer and instead answer this question. Do you think the Seahawks ever planned on possibly paying a starting quarterback so soon after trading Russell Wilson? And will this surprise play into their decision about whether or not to keep Gino? That's next. Live from the Alaska Airlines Studio, this is Seattle Sports Station. You're listening to Bump and Stacy, Powered by Kitsap Credit Union. Do you think the Seahawks ever planned on possibly paying a starting quarterback so soon after trading Wilson? Before we even continue the conversation, Bump and Curtis, what do you guys think? Do you actually think that they left room? I mean, you got to leave room for everything. But do you realistically think that they were like, yeah, I could see us. Paying big money on a quarterback uh, starting immediately after we uh, we uh, trade Russell Wilson. Heck no. Those, those dudes were <laughs> yeah. like, we got Drew, we got Geno. You know what? They can hold us down for a little bit. They did not foresee Geno being a pro bowler. I think they, they saw him running the offense. I think they saw him keeping them competitive. But for him to go out and do what he did, no, it accelerated the process and it put them in a position that 
they're prepared for, but they weren't banking on. Mm-hmm. Curtis, what do you think? I'm in lockstep with Bump. I don't think they had any plans of paying a quarterback uh, mid-level money this early in the quote-unquote rebuild, yeah. even though they improved on their 2021 record in 2022. Uh, yeah, there was no chance in, in the world that they thought they were going to be paying a quarterback so soon after dealing Russell Wilson. Now, I don't necessarily fully agree. You guys already know my take. I don't need to keep stressing that. I just personally love feeling like I have an answer on offense and feeling like offense can stay pretty static. And so that's why I want to bring Gino back on on a reasonable deal, not like an insane deal. Um, But I do love a devil's advocate argument against my own take. And I also love this take. Tell me what you think. Um, This is a listener who says, I think they they had a plan without a high price quarterback. And I think they need to stick to it. What do you think is the best plan for the Seahawks moving forward? If you're John Schneider, let's say that you're John Schneider and you thought we're going to be able to have cheap talent at quarterback for a while. Do you veer because of Geno? Or do you say, um, you know what, I actually, I'm finding a new plan here and I'm going to work around this. I think Geno is the factor that changes everything. I think your initial plan was to go cheap with the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, we're getting Geno for about, what, $6 billion right. if he hits incentives. Man, maybe $10 mil we'll pay him if he has a decent like year. Getting out of a relationship and you thought, like, single time, like, yeah, finally my think, single life. And then you're dating somebody, like, three months immediately later. Immediately after you're in a long-term relationship. I was going to date myself. God, but. I didn't even get a hit at the bars. Like, and you think that you think that you're going to be able to have more money to spend on the defense. And I think that's what listeners and texters are envisioning. They didn't think Gino was going to have this year. You thought, worst case, you pay him a little bit more, and you have a bunch of money to spend on the defense. Let me tell you guys, there's still money to spend on the defense. The roster you see today is not the roster you're going to see uh, in, in March, April, May, June, July. Things are going to happen. Guys are going to get cut. They're going to make room. They're going to cut some dead weight or some weight that they feel like we can go younger at that position. So I think now the – the Seahawks are in a good position. You have a quarterback that's going to keep you competitive. You, it did mess up their plans. They, I don't think they banked on this. I think worst case, you let Geno go. If he does the ball out, then we got Drew and we draft another quarterback. So I think you, just like we we're talking about the Mariners and how uh, they have to allow room, was it runway mm-hmm. for their, yeah. their talent to grow, right? Way to bring that up. This is what they're doing, right? They're allowing runway for their team to grow and remain competitive. Things change. Gino balled out. So what do you do? You sign him to a short-term deal. You make some moves when it comes to cuts. And now you got some runway on the defense. You know what also helps your runway are the picks that you have this year. Mm-hmm. So I, I just challenge people to look at it differently. It's okay not to not to agree. I understand that. And I encourage that. It makes for a great conversation. But just like I look at you guys aside and say, man, that's a lot of money for Gino. Man, I don't know if, if there's room. Then I, I go back and I do some research, which I, I encourage you guys to do, just to go look at the roster and who's getting paid what. And if you could save money, where would you save it? Because there's not everybody on this defense who go, we got to have all these guys back. That's not how that or works. Or this offense, there's, right? Yeah, or the offense. There's two or three on each side of the ball who's getting paid where you can be like, all right, we can do without that. That number that he put up this year wasn't astronomical to where he's a must-have. Yeah, I think that – God, what I keep going back to is like the the decision to bring back Gino requires so much additional context. And one of them is that what if you don't see your guy this year and you know that you're facing, we're going to talk about this in about 10 minutes, a pretty wide open NFC 
Like we're going to have a conversation about who's the next great NFC quarterback coming up in about 10 minutes. And it took me a while to come up with like a couple guys. I mean, you mm-hmm. are looking at a conference that is drastically weaker. The path to a conference championship is drastically, it's not easy. It's never easy, but it is clearer. There are less obstacles than there are in the AFC where you got to fight past Burrow, Allen, Mahomes, Owen, also now Herbert's coming on with, with Kellen Moore as his OC, right? Like it, it's, it's a man, it's a battle in the AFC. Yeah, it is in the NFC. Your contention window may have just been moved up a little bit. And what's this Yeah, Now you got number five overall and four picks in the first two rounds. Like, man, it's fast forwarding this, this uh, rebuild just a little bit here. And if there was an answer that I loved that was younger and cheaper at quarterback, I would absolutely want to do that. The only thing that I worry, Bump, is that there is an assumption, I think, it, that is made that moving on from Geno means you still have a good offense in 2023, and I don't know that that's the case. You move on from Geno, you are jumping into the unknown once again. You're putting yourself in the same position you were in last year when it comes to this offense. Yeah, we got some skill positions. You got DK, you got Lockie, you got Ken. I would love for them to sign Rashad Penny again and have a nice little one-two combo. But you're jumping in and saying, can this offense put up points? Can this offense look efficient with a Drew Lock? It's possible. It's possible. But why not go with somebody who has proven that they could do it and just build around him? And if it doesn't work out in a couple of years, everything else is in place. Now you develop a young quarterback. Now, a fair question, if you're going to pay Geno, is is Geno actually one of the better quarterbacks or certainly uh, one of a uh, top three quarterbacks in the conference itself? Well, we're going to talk about those quarterbacks, Bump, because we've had a lot of movement, not only with Tom Brady retiring with a potential trade of Aaron Rodgers, who could go to the AFC. So the question, who's the next great quarterback in the NFC? That's next.